The following sermon was delivered by Executive Pastor Rev. Dr. Jonah So in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday, in person, or on live stream. For details, go to fapc.org. And now, here is Rev. Dr. Jonah So. Hear now the Word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14 verses 1 and 7 through 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All week long, I've been having flashbacks to junior high. Our middle school converged four elementary schools. Having moved to town in the fourth grade, I attended one school and then got moved the next year to another elementary in fifth grade following a redrawing of district lines. That made lunchtime interesting. During the early land grab or table grab to be more precise, you could see where each school clique planted their flags. I happily sat with a group of my fellow alumni from the fifth grade. As I I reacquainted with old friends from the fourth grade elementary school, I decided one day to sup with them over in their neck of the cafeteria. They embraced the inconvenient jostle of having to make room for me, overlaying the narrative of the long lost brother returning home. But the most vivid memory that I recall is the day that I was invited to sit at the table of a new friend I made from one of the elementary schools I had not previously attended. You see, by then, the first to place your books down gets the seat rule had mostly given away to the implicit understanding of who sits where formed from repeated habit. So although I was invited, There was no room for me. 
my friend took the belongings of one kid and moved it to another spot at the adjacent table and motioned me to sit. Dumbfounded, I sat down worrying what would happen after the student whose seat I had usurped returned from the lunch line. I saw the look on his face transform from confusion into anger as, as, as he tried to figure out what was going on. His eyes locked into mine and with reddened face and justified outrage, he drew in to confront me. And in like dramatic slow motion fashion, my friend stood up and stood between us and reassuringly placed his hand on the chest of the offended and spoke with him. I, I wish I knew what he said. I, I just blacked out. I was like, what's happening? I don't recall any details of that horrifying moment. I do remember that I eventually enjoyed my seat at the table and several of the other boys' friends moved tables to join him for lunch. I guess crisis averted. Although that happened some 33 years ago, awkward moments at tables still continue. At some wedding receptions, I kind of stew at how far away from the bride and groom I'm seated, taking solace in the fact that at least I'm close to the bar. <laughs> at other times, I am surprised at how near I am in proximity to the newlyweds amid the many family and friends that were invited to the celebration. Do you have awkward moments? Do you question your place at the table? Are you looking for a place? Are you the one inviting? Or are you the one who is ever vigilant to keep your place and not let someone move your books to another table? Think about all the effort and struggle to claw your way up and into some place. And if you ever get there, the additional energy is needed to contribute and maintain your place. Some may call it unfair. Others might be resigned to just accept it as how it is. And the reality is in some form or another, we play this game. And I think we can all agree that it's exhausting. The struggle isn't new. As different as the biblical cultural norms have been in comparison to the life of our community today, much of the human struggle hasn't changed. Jesus is the guest of honor at a house of a leader of the Pharisees. That means that Jesus is reclined at the center of a U-shaped table with the host. Because the meal setting served also as a symposium, discussion with the honored guest was anticipated and they didn't have microphones like this. And these meals came with an unwritten rule. If you were invited to such an event, a reciprocated invitation was expected. If you didn't play along, you risked being ostracized by that social circle. 
Thus, these individuals, similar to us, carried with them the stress and worries of getting invited, deciding who to invite, and jostling with others for their place at these meals. Jesus has compassion for people who struggle with community. We know that because at the outset of the meal, Jesus asked the guests whether it is lawful to heal people on the Sabbath, to which everyone remained silent because everyone knew the answer was no. It is not lawful to heal on the Sabbath. But despite it being the Sabbath, Jesus heals the unnamed individual of a disease that makes one ritually unclean and unfit to be part of the community. In our text for today, Jesus' scope of compassion expands from a particular individual healing to the healing of a collective. Verse 7 provides the context. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them, a parable. When Jesus tells the guests to seek the lowest place at the table and for the host to invite those who cannot repay in kind, it is not a lesson in social etiquette. Jesus is sharing a parable. A parable is the key to the kingdom of God. It is often confounding and absurd when taken at face value. What was the purpose and point of this parable. Similar to Jesus' healing of the physical ailment, Jesus is out to free people from any disease that separates people from community. You see, diseases alienated individuals from the faith community by labeling them unclean and unfit to be among the people. And Jesus' ministry undid that way of being by healing and bringing in those who were in the margins. Within the faith community, the Pharisees were a group of people who prided themselves in keeping God's laws at all costs. They literally lived perfect lives according to the religious law. They were examples and models uh, for the faith community. They earned the respect and experience to lead. Yet a consequence of this was isolation from the larger community. In order to protect themselves from being defiled or becoming unclean, trying to be perfect, they did not socialize with those who did not keep the law as they did their group became exclusive. As power and prestige grew, their ways became more utilitarian. And this is the group to which the host and the guests belonged. During the course of the meal, the guests were not only paying attention to what Jesus was saying, they were trying to get nearer to him, to the center of attention, and conversation, unlike, you know, how the front rows of churches are always empty. It wasn't like that there. They're like, oh, I got to get there. And so if you got up for a bathroom break, whoop, sorry, they took the seat. If you got pulled away for a side conversation, they moved in. They tried to get there closer and closer. 
But while they were doing that, they were also observant of the floral arrangements and decorations of the host, judging the thickness of the towels at the ceremonial cleansing station, and making notes of the vintages of wine that they were being served. You know how you guys, we do. We go to some dinner party. They were doing all of that. Why? All in order to keep up with or outdo the previous host. They were obsessed with grabbing for honor and status through rank at the table or impressing others. And to this crowd who had become enslaved to what others thought of them, Jesus, through the parable, reminds them that honor is not actively acquired, but rather passively bestowed by another. Efforts to honor yourself is futile, and humility is the secret ingredient in getting honored by God. I like to think that the occasion for the meal help to reinforce the impact of the parable. You know, we always find reasons to celebrate and go out to eat. Oh, I got a promotion. Oh, let's go out. You know, it's my birthday. Oh, we got to go out. Anniversary. Oh, got to go out. You know, I cut the lawn today. Oh, let's go out. <laughs> We're always looking for reasons to celebrate. But this particular meal, as big as it was, was a Sabbath meal. It was a Sabbath meal. You see, while on the one hand, spiritual acts can easily become routine, like, I don't know, Sundays, oh, I got to go to church. Why? I don't know, that's what I do. It, it, sometimes it gets routine and you just do it, robotic. But there are moments when we, we, we recall the deep meaning of why we do what we do. Deuteronomy 5.15 is such a reminder for the meaning of the Sabbath meal. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The dinner crowd were living as if they had forgotten from where they had come. They were focused on self-acquiring honor and failed to recognize that God is the host who bestows it, lifting up the low with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. They were supremely focused on getting blessed seeking out the blessing or posturing for blessing from God. They were competitive and apparently vying against others for what they understood to be a scarce commodity that God just didn't have enough. And although, the, although Jesus is the guest of honor and others are clamoring to get a word in with him in a considerate act, Jesus intentionally makes time to converse with the host of the Sabbath meal. In the conversation, Jesus provides more insight to the host about the meaning of the parable. Jesus exhorts the host to invite the poor, 
the crippled, the lame, and the blind to a banquet for an unexpected reason. Because they cannot repay you. Because they cannot invite you back to another banquet. And Jesus says, rather, the host will be repaid in the future at the resurrection of the righteous. In other words, God will honor you when you stop seeking a blessing and start being a blessing. It's easy to be kind to someone you know who has the means to repay you or give you some advantage. Hey, can I take you out to dinner? Comes out so easy because you know you can set it up for something good coming your way. And we are happy to be a blessing to such people. Even the world is totally on board with that way of being. But the way of Christ is to be kind to those who cannot repay, who are not necessarily advantageous to you. While the world scoffs such a move, God sees it and will honor it. Christians might have heard this or be exhorted to, you ever hear this, be in the world but not of the world. But that is much easier said than done. The Pharisees who perfectly follow the law, who do good, serve as a cautionary tale. Because in so doing what they do, they lost their way. In their faithful service to God, they ended up serving themselves and boxing out others who were not like them. And Jesus applies a corrective to their way. He offers a remedy of opening up their exclusive community in order to bring back the focus to the wildly generous and inclusive nature of God's kingdom. Might sound beautiful, but man, let's be honest, that is a difficult pill to swallow when one is convinced that you are better than someone else, and yet you are treated with the same sense of special love that they are treated with the same sense of special love that you are. That's outrageous. I'm better, clearly. But you're going to treat him or her like me? That's crazy. And that is the scandal of the kingdom of God. God loves you so much. And God loves the person who is different, whom you dislike, the same. We spend our energy and time carefully nurturing and curating the relationships that will give us the most return for our investment. We avoid those who draw energy and happiness from us without giving us anything in exchange. Yet the ones that the world tells us we are better off without are exactly the ones Jesus tells us to intentionally invite. Jesus will not allow us to ignore and forget the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, lest we think we have nothing in common with them or delude ourselves into thinking, ah, we've done our part. We've overcome such adversities. 
the kingdom of God includes the host and honored guests as well as the ones we'd never consider inviting or would prefer not to invite. Jesus has disclosed the values of God's kingdom and they do not align with the values of the world. I know this statement doesn't shock us like, really? I, I know it doesn't shock us. But apparently it shocks us when we are challenged to prioritize Christ's way over the world's way. Which is so familiar to us. Which we've become so proficient at navigating. And that's why we can't do it on our own. We need the Spirit of God amid the community to which God has called us. We need each other to do this. At, at the senior leadership team, as the senior leadership team is planning for the fall, I'm like getting really excited and eagerly awaiting the many upcoming community group offerings and the volunteer service opportunities that will allow us to fellowship, serve, and grow together as a people, all invited to Christ's great feast. It's, I'm looking forward to that, but you know what? For today, if nothing else, let us be grateful. Grateful in remembering where we were when God accepted us. And the Apostle Paul does a great job of reminding us in Romans 5.8. God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When the dinner crowd had forgotten that at one time they were slaves in the land of Egypt brought out by God. Jesus shares a story about a dinner guest who was told, hey, give this person your place. And in disgrace, that guest would go and take the lowest place. Consequently, another would get moved up into his place and would be honored. What if the person who gave up his place at the table for another was Jesus himself and the person who benefited and gained honor was you, was us? Family of faith, we are sent into a world in great need of God's grace. In humility and faith, let us respond to Christ's call and follow God's spirit as we seek to bring and be good news for all. May God bless you and keep you. May God be kind and gracious to you. And may God look upon you with favor and bring us all peace. Amen.